welcome to Peanut Butter and Jelly Shoes. I'm Caitlin. I'm Tiffany. What did we watch today, Tiffany? Today we watched a movie that I had never seen before from 1997 called Air Force One. That's right, we sure did. And once again, Tiffany's on audio, uh, she's on my phone again. Uh, yes. Hopefully she sounds better this time, we, we rejiggered a few things, uh, and you, I think you sound fantastic. Thank you so much. Um, I've been doing a lot of vocal exercises to make sure my voice sounds clearer. It's, you sound beautiful. Thank you so much. That means everything to me. I'm sure it does. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's summer now, and it's the patriotic holiday season, so we watched something that was just pure yeah, Americana, I suppose. Um, but yeah, it's yes. Air Force One. Uh, I've seen it. I saw it in theaters when it came out, which... Um, shocked me because I was I was only 11 when this movie came out and yet my parents were like yeah let's go see this all together and yeah so I was gonna say I'm surprised I did not see this with my dad in theaters because this is such a dad movie oh yeah complete it feels like it's an adaptation of it I mean is it an adaptation of a novel like it feels like it could have been easily it feels like this was a Tom Clancy or James Patterson or one of those people yeah absolutely yeah, it's a, it's a big, um, but it was a fun experience in the theater from what I remember. And I remember seeing this very clearly because it was the first adult action movie I ever saw in theater. So it was a big momentous occasion for me. And also I remember we showed up late to the screening and my dad was screaming at all of us. Um, so, cause I, do you remember what this movie was rated? I feel like it's a PG 13, maybe it was an R, but like. I only heard one F-bomb, maybe two, which I feel like that's allowed. Um, yeah, I think the rule is, like, three. you can say fuck three times so long as it doesn't relate to sex, and then you can keep a PG-13 rating. But um, I just Googled it, and it says this was rated R, which surprises me a little bit. Yeah, I, it, I don't think it needed to be rated R. I mean, maybe it's just the violence. Who knows? But it was it felt maybe. pretty tame. I, I have been watching a lot of horror movies the past year, so all the violence felt so tame compared to that. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a real, uh, quite an experience. But so, yeah, let's, uh, let's talk about it. Let's get into it. I mean, I don't even know where to start. This is a movie where um, I got so engrossed in it that I kind of forgot to be taking notes but the, the first thing I wrote down and the first thing I texted you because of course again this is something we did not watch together which still feels really weird but the first thing I wrote down is that of course the filmmaker's name is Wolfgang like this just feels like a movie that someone named Wolfgang would make right well yeah you're completely right but also the irony of that is that that's like a very German name yes but it somehow feels correct <laughs> it feels very correct um, and I had the fun surprise of not really, like, I knew this movie was a thing. I'd heard of this movie. I knew Harrison Ford was in it. I did not realize that he played the president. I thought he played a Secret Service agent on the plane that was, like, trying to stop the plane from being taken over. So oh. when they called him the president, I was like, oh, dang, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> I'm glad you could be surprised. Yeah, you know, 23 years later, and it hadn't gotten spoiled for me. No, that's very good. I, I, I thought his, I don't know. Yeah, so the movie, it opens with, like, a guy, like, it felt like Zero Dark Thirty, uh, which I hadn't seen the opening because we missed the first five minutes in the theater because of family arguments and drama. Um, uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, so it made me really appreciate Zero Dark Thirty that much more. Um because it's it's like a bunch of guys like in masks in the middle of the night breaking into a compound and and kidnapping well not really kidnapping arresting um a cold war general like bad guy in kazakhstan mm-hmm. um and yeah and that's the opening and then it takes a while for us to actually get to the president stuff it felt like i did think it was funny that they were you know para- parachuting in to this place to kidnap this uh, Kazakhstan leader and their faces were all painted black because it's under the cover of darkness but then their parachutes were bright white I was like come on guys you you can't you gotta go full you gotta go full camo you can't just paint your faces they're still gonna notice giant white parachutes 
I mean, we can't, I mean, we're not, we can't win them all, you know. But I felt like, I thought we were the bad guys. And it's like, it definitely is setting it up like America is, because it's just a, like an old man sleeping in his bed. Yeah, and, I thought that too. And we have no context. And all of a sudden it's like, good job, team America rules. And it's like, wait, oh, I thought we were the villains. Okay, I guess. America's never the villain. Come I on. mean. <laughs> <laughs> so then they, then they cut to like Harrison Ford giving a speech to the Russians, right? About capturing this leader and, and he goes like off script and he's talking about, we will not negotiate and, and he's going to start like a new foreign policy basically without consulting any of his people before he says any of this. And this is when I was like, okay, so he's not a regular president. He's a cool president. Yeah. And it made me really like, really appreciate the concept of like, it doesn't matter what is being said. It all depends on who's saying it. Because it was, like, it's presented in a way of, like, the president has decided on a whim that he's going to change foreign policy without consulting a single person, just mid-speech. Yeah. And it's presented in a way, like, that's awesome, but you're like, oh, no. Like, that's a little, <laughs> like, when more I think about it, I'm like, that's not necessarily a great idea. Um, but it, yeah. it's presented in a way, like, hell, yeah, this guy's cool, and you're like... Okay, but it, but his speech was so just generic. Like he said, oh, the the closing line actually was a little terrifying. He said, "It's your turn to be afraid." When he's like talking, right. about, yeah, <laughs> right. But what I thought was interesting was he seems to be like they set it up that he seems like pretty globally beloved as a mm-hmm. president. Like when he was leaving Russia and he was going to Air Force One, like the the Russian people were you know, trying to break down barricades, like, waving flags and cheering, and, like, it was like the Beatles were coming through or something. They were so excited he was there. Yeah, and I, you know what, I did appreciate that, because I did appreciate that Russia was not the bad guy in this movie, because, like, they set it up so, like, well, I don't know, I don't want to spoil it until we get there, but, um, yeah, no, like, the Russians like him, like, the Russian president likes him, like, it's, like, all hunky-dory, um, and yeah, but like this, so so then there's like the whole thing of everyone's getting on the plane, and right. it's, which I have been. Have you been on an Air Force one before? Just I mean, I've been on the one in the Reagan Library. Yeah, I've been on that one too. So that's the only one I can compare it to. And so I knew that Air Force One was big, but like the plane that they have in the movie seemed way bigger than the one that we've gotten to actually physically be on. Or am I mistaken? Am I misremembering? No, that, but is that the only one? Cause, That's the only one I've been Because you asked it in such a way that it made it sound like you had just been on Air Force One multiple times. You're like, I mean, you've been on Air Force One, right? And I'm like, it caught me off guard for a second. <laughs> well, I mean, I could have. You don't know my life. I mean, I don't know your life. That's actually true. But, um, but... Yeah, it, it felt, it's a set, obviously. Um, yes, yeah, obviously. I don't know, well, have you ever, apart from the Air Force One, have you ever been on a 747? I don't think so. Yeah. I don't know that I would have had occasion to be on a 747. Well, I mean, they're just like the normal aircraft, like if you fly internationally or like cross-country, you'll sometimes you'll get plopped on one. I don't know, I've certainly never been on a plane that has multiple levels. Then you haven't been on a 747, yeah. There we go. Um, but no, I was on one once last year, and it because I'd always wanted to fly on one because it's just like they always look so cool because they're just they look like big monsters in the sky. Um, yeah. But they are very big inside, so I was willing to give it a little leeway because the one okay. I just flew commercially on one and it was like I felt like I was I was entranced by it. Um, it was very cool. But um, yeah, so. But my so this part of the movie when they're all getting on the plane, um, well so so we have what we're we have Gary Oldman. Who I let me just tell you, I didn't know he was in it. Boy, was I excited! I love Gary Oldman. He's a great actor. He's wonderful. He's so he. I still can't wrap my brain around the fact that he's played all the parts that he's played. I mean, he's serious black to like a huge generation of people for sure. That's the first thing they would think of him as being. I would think. Yeah, that's what I thought of, and then I went to the the bad guy in uh, the Fifth Element. Yes, and another movie that I had not seen until very, very re- like within the last week. 
I saw that movie. Oh, well, we're going to have to talk about that one separately. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's a whole other kettle of fish right there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they're all getting onto the plane. And he, so Gary Oldman and his crew of people that I don't know who any of them are, are posing as Russian journalists. Yes. Trying to get on the plane to do, like, an interview or something with the president on board. Um, but they're actually not Russian journalists. No. Mm-mm. They're the bad guys. Yeah, they're, like, um, Soviet, like, era sympathizers. Like, they basically, like, they, they're, they killed the actual people that were supposed to be the journalists. That's why they had clearance to come on board. Um, and then they took their place and they're just like, they want to basically reignite the USSR and they're like comrades of the general that was kidnapped at the beginning of the movie. Yes. And yeah. So this part of this whole movie, you you see the president get on the plane, you see the Russian quote unquote Russian journalists get on the plane, the white house staff, and then like the first lady and their daughter. Yeah. Um, and it was a parade of one of my favorite 90s things is just like a lot of boxy suits and business wear yeah everything (laughs) is like at least a couple sizes too big yes the shoulders are big but like without the aid of shoulder pads they're just too wide yeah um like for some reason especially in like the mid to late 90s it was the pinnacle of fashion to be to look like a beige rectangle um like that's it is, but, like, they're, ugh, it's just, it's all, on, and the haircuts are just, like, lackluster at best. It's just sort of, like, lazy. I don't know. It, everyone just looks sloppy. And the irony was, is, like, they're all in business wear. Um, yeah, I don't disagree with that assessment. Everyone looked bad. Yeah. Oh, Harrison Ford looked pretty good, I thought. His suit actually kind of fit him. I mean, he always looks good, though. Like, he, even when he looks bad or even when he's like made to look bad or sloppy he still somehow looks like rakish you know what I mean? yeah. <laughs> yeah he always has that air of like he doesn't care but like in a good way yeah like he's han solo and everything kind of yeah even in this like when he's giving his speech i don't know if you noticed when he gave the like it's your turn to be afraid speech um he was kind of mumbling a little bit and i was like i get he's cool but like he's not a great orator no no, but, um, yeah, so everyone, like, kind of piles onto the plane from Russia to back home, I guess, and, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I mean, pfft. I mean, what it's, happens? It's pretty, pretty quickly, we, we learn that there's a Secret Service agent who, he's that actor who, like, I don't know his name, but I recognize his face, and he's in, like, a million things, but we find out that the Secret Service agent is actually, like, a turncoat or a sympathizer with Gary Oldman, and he's, like, on their side. And so he basically kills a couple people with a silencer, which, I mean, I have never been around a gun with a silencer that's been fired, but I would imagine it doesn't completely muffle the noise. Like, you still must hear something. Oh, no, muffled. yeah. It, it... So, so, like, he fires this silencer, he kills a few people, and, like, he's standing in an area that isn't closed off. It's not behind any doors, but, like, no one notices that he's done it. And he leaves the weapons cabinet open for Gary Oldman uh, and his, like, henchmen to, to get all of their supplies to basically hijack the plane. Yeah, it's... Th- and I did appreciate the fact that he, he did have the silencer on the gun, but if I'm remembering correctly... It, it wasn't completely silent. Like, the, like it was still a pretty loud noise every time he fired the gun. Um, yeah. And nobody heard, and then, yeah, so all four of the, the Russian dudes get up and head towards, the, they, they grab the arsenal of weapons, and they start firing, and, like, how many times, now, again, they, they're, they're, they're firing, like, I mean, I don't know the correct, they're not AK-47s, but something akin to that, you know? Yeah, they're machine guns. Um, yeah. They're, uh, they're assault weapons. Yeah, and they're firing them through, and it takes, like, a solid minute of them firing and killing a bunch of random people before anyone on the the security is like, hey, wait a minute, there's noises. Like, I'm like, you're on a plane. Like, you're gonna hear this. They were so slow on the uptake. I'm sh- Ugh, man. I agree. I mean, like, playing devil's advocate, the only thing I could really think of is maybe that's such like a scenario that seems out of the realm of possibility that when you're hearing it you're you don't automatically go that's assault fire like 
because in what world would that be happening? So maybe they hear it but don't process it because it shouldn't be happening. I don't know if that makes sense. And I, I just I like how the president like he or Harrison Ford he jumps up and he's just like, "What's that?" And they're like, "Oh, hang on, just a minute, sir." And like they kind of just slowly meander aside to check on the situation. And yeah. then they see a bunch of people getting shot, and then they just kind of close the door, and they're like, oh, there's people, like, we need to do something. It's like there's no plan, like, nobody jumps cover. Like, he's still just standing there unprotected. Um, yeah. And it, I was like, well, I'm shocked he wasn't killed earlier, because, frankly, his yeah. his security is crap. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. But, like, once they realize what's going on, they're, like, shuffling him off to get to his escape pod, which um, looked crazy to me. I never considered that there would be something like that on Air Force One, but I guess that makes perfect sense. So they're shuttling him along. He doesn't want to go. He doesn't want to leave his family behind because his wife and daughter are on the plane. And then, like, the the two people who are shoving him along push him into the pod, don't close the door, then go to, like, see what's going on. And I texted Kate when I'm like, he's not in that pod. Like, I see it being released from the from the plane but there's no way he's on it like this is not my first rodeo it's not my first movie i've ever seen yeah i i <laughs> i didn't realize that they didn't close the door all the way the first time i saw it but now i was like oh it made sense because i had always wondered my whole life just lying awake at night how did he get out of that pod because i always thought they had closed the door um but no they didn't they just left it ajar and then hit like eject like oh that's unsafe even if he wasn't it he'd already be dead yeah uh, yeah, so then they, at this point, things have gone amok. The White House is, is informed of what's going on. Um, we get, we meet the, the, the vice president for the first time. Glenn Close. Real excited about that. Yeah, and I had a question. I don't, was there, what is the, the thing? When did we collectively as a society agree that, female presidents and vice presidents would be addressed as madam? I don't know. I was wondering that, too. We all just kind of agreed on this. Even though there's no protocol and there's no precedent, we don't know. But it's like every move, we're like, oh, yeah, that's just the madam. But, like, why not Mrs. President? Why not Miss President? I don't know. Just What's the history there, Tiffany? Tell me. Um, I wish I could. I didn't, I feel very put on the spot. I did not, I did not Google this. I do not know the answer, but it it does automatically, maybe it has something to do with like, it automatically de-sexes a woman when you call her like madam, because it makes her seem like old and fussy. Uh, and, and, you know, women in power aren't supposed to be looked at in a sexual way. I don't know. But, but the irony of that is that a madam outside of that context has a very sexual context like connotation wait what like a madam what i'm kidding (laughs) oh i don't know i don't know what you know and what you don't know um i know about madams (laughs) yeah you do um yeah so i don't know anyway that was a sidebar um yeah so they so madam vice president comes on and is debriefed on the situation and they I don't yeah I don't like at this point the whole movie is just like breakneck speed I can't keep track of everything that was happening yeah same but I do love um there's like a trope in just about any action movie like this where the bad guys no matter what situation they're put in like they're on a plane they're on a submarine they're on a bus they're on a whatever no matter what it is the bad guys know 100% how to operate the machinery. Yes. And I always find that very funny because, like, they basically end up killing the, the um, pilot of Air Force One because he's trying to land the plane. And so, like, they've touched ground. Where is it? In Germany? They've, like, landed on a runway. They break into the cockpit. They kill the, the pilot and his crew and just take over control of the plane and fly it. Although it does seem like in these movies all they have to do to fly the plane is pull up on the yoke and then they're flying it. I see, see, I like to imagine, though, that they had thought ahead, and they knew that this was something that would need to be done, so they (laughs) deliberately have someone with them that does know how to fly a plane. I mean, mean, because we do have a real-world scenario that we can compare this to. Oh? September 11th. Oh. I mean, they specifically had people that knew how to fly planes do it. That's not inaccurate. 
<laughs> so, I just assumed they're like they knew like okay there's like we need someone that's gonna be able to take control of this plane. But, yeah. But you're right. Like it's it's funny how so many they know exactly what to do. Um, yeah. But the, so the, the idea is so they they all the survivors of the initial m- melee or melee or whatever um, are rounded up and thrown in a conference room. And yes. they're like, we're going to shoot a hostage every 30 minutes until you give us what we want. And what is it that they want? They want, uh, what was his name, Raddick? They want the General Raddick that was kidnapped at the beginning. They want him released from prison. Yeah. So they, that's that's the stakes, I guess. And, like, they, Gary Ullman's the leader of this, um, of the bad guys, and he just, he wants to basically restart the social, like, Social, like socialism in in USSR, um, and he wants to kill all the capitalists and kill shoot him in the head. I don't remember. He said something specific. And can I just take this moment to point out how fucking creepy Gary Oldman is when he wants to be? Like he was so perfect for this role. He was scary as fuck. To the point where I I was mad at the actors because I felt like a lot of them weren't adequately scared of him. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Like I was really creeped out. Went so eventually, what happens? Like he kills a couple hostages, but like he he takes the first lady and the president's daughter, and has them up in the cockpit area, and is holding them hostage. And he's like talking to them, and he's being so creepy and scary, and they just kind of have like blank faces. And I'm like, you should be more. I'm more afraid of him, and I'm not even there. Yeah, I agree. I wrote down that the daughter did not seem adequately frightened at any point in this movie for my liking <laughs> yeah the only time that she felt kind of like she felt like she looked scared appropriately was when they thought they were all going to die and it's like oh now you're gonna die suddenly you care um but yeah it was uh yeah she was there was no trauma whatsoever like she's had guns pointed at her head she's seen her mom had guns she's watching multiple people get murdered in front of her and she's just like kind of blankly staring at a wall yeah. Yeah. Um, good. Well, you know, I don't. I haven't seen that actress ever since, so I don't know. No, I haven't either. I don't know that she's done much else. But we find out, and I, it, to, my, I was not surprised, but like we find out a little bit more about the president because everyone thinks he's he's off the plane because the pod's been released. They're sending people to go look for it. Gary Oldman thinks he's off the plane, which is why he's taken the family hostage for when he lands. The president lands going to be able to negotiate with him because he has his family um so we're learning more of his backstory and they're like if anyone can survive this is the president he's won a medal of honor and he fought in vietnam and blah 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 so i wasn't surprised to learn that he had some sort of military background at all he seemed like he would yeah and i think that really does a decent job of justifying how like a 50 year old president can like beat the shit out of a, a bunch of guys like yes. that are half his age because yeah. Yeah, because it's like, oh, yeah, I guess, like, he's trained in, yeah, Medal of Honor, yeah, like, he's, and it's funny, because it also reminded me of when Gary, so, when Gary Oldman takes the daughter and the wife to the cockpit, he says something to the daughter, like, you know, you're, like, she's like, you killed people, and he's like, well, your dad's killed a bunch of people, too, and I was like, he's got a point. (laughs) Yeah. But she And the way he delivered all that dialogue was like so creepy because he was so, um, he was rationalizing it in such a way where it made him feel justified. And that is so creepy. Yeah. He's like, well, your dad, not like, not only did he kill a bunch of people in war, but like he calls, he makes phone calls and a bunch of people die, like, because he's the president. Yeah, he's basically saying, like, your dad doesn't actually have to get his hands dirty, but they're dirty all the same, because he's the one making all of the calls. But but this movie taking what is actually a semi-valid, interesting point, just immediately brushes it aside, and she's just like, no. Uh-huh. You're, like, and you're just like, that's not a good retort. Uh, yeah, she's just like, no, my dad's a good man. Like, uh, well, no. I mean, she's also, like, 12. That's true. <laughs> Good point. I'm, I'm being a little too harsh on her, I think. Uh, no, that's okay. I still think she's kind of a little bitch, but whatever. Wow, I didn't think that. <laughs> My goodness. I just thought the writing wasn't perfect for her character, but I digress. Yeah. Um, y- yeah, so they're like... But one thing that I'd forgotten that I thought was cool was that so Harrison Ford's still on the plane, 
and he's killing a bunch of people down in the cargo hold and they don't know he's the they assume it's like a secret service agent gone rogue yeah so i thought that was cool because like i they were like oh there's a secret service guy he's just killing a bunch of our men and we and so i liked that they hid the ball on the fact that it's the president for a long time um, yeah i did too yeah and then um yeah i, I don't i mean so oh but i don't know so they kill a bunch of hostages um yeah and yeah. then Glenn Close is getting into a lot of arguments with Walter, the Secretary of Defense, because he basically wants uh, Congress to sign over the presidency to him because they're saying the, the president isn't, like, acting in the best interest of the country at the moment, and Glenn Close is fighting him on that and trying to get General Raddick released instead. So, like, there's a lot of back and forth there. And I did appreciate that they both had good points. Like, they're saying, like, if we release this guy we are setting a precedent that we negotiate with terrorists and then that's going to lead to a lot more situations like similar to this and lots of people are going to die and and also just like you know the president's in duress right now we don't know his mental state we don't know if he's alive or dead we we need to sign over orders that gives us authority and and so i did like but but glenn close like you said she's very absolutely not like he's still alive i feel it blah 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 um you know so i thought it was good that they both are they're both good guys and they both have pretty valid arguments and i was like oh that's an interesting back and forth i I enjoyed that yeah i i would be inclined to agree with that because i it was it's hard to know like what's the right thing to do in a movie like this i put myself in the situation like what would i do what would i say i have no idea what i would do in a situation like this at all (laughs) it's a conundrum it's a pickle. <laughs> <laughs> Do you blow up 50 people to save a million? Ooh, that's like a classic, uh, you know. That's, yeah, that's a classic ethics question. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's uh, that, was, that was what they were dealing with. I felt bad. Um, yeah, I felt bad, too. But then, so, so the, the Mr. President then, Harrison Ford, he gets the idea to... So he has, like, a shootout. Oh, I do like how he gets in touch with the White House. That was mildly amusing he basically what does he do he like sorts through luggage until he finds one that has a portable phone with a giant instruction manual and he tries to phone the white house but he doesn't remember the number so he basically dials like just the general line and gets connected with this like dotty old secretary woman who doesn't think it's actually the president until he tells her to trace the call then she does, and she, like, shits her pants because it's actually the president. Yeah, she traces the call, and then she hears the Russian guys, like, in the background yelling at him. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, oh, my goodness, Mr. President, I'll patch you through. And then she right. does. Yeah, and it was great. But then I like how everyone immediately thought, they're like, there's some guy on the phone who says he's the president. And, like, everyone rushes to the boardroom. And I'm like, yeah, yeah that's, uh... but no, it, w- it was him. And then he, he gives them surreptitious instructions on what to do yeah he's like the he's like the woman who's being attacked uh by like a spouse or something and she calls 911 to order a pizza yes <laughs> and they're, they're like trying to figure out what's happening and they're like oh they're trying to send a message it's like what's what is pepperoni code for shit like yeah yeah so he's basically telling them like go ahead and the planes like that you i don't know See, this is where I wish that our friend Rob was part of this phone call because he's the guy that can look up in the sky and identify a plane, which is insane to me. So I don't understand the kind of fighter planes that were, like, flying around trying to defend. But whatever planes those were, that he basically, Harrison Ford, tells them to fire a missile at Air Force One because it's going to have a defense thing that can block it that will, like still cause an explosion but not direct damage to the plane but it'll like knock it off course enough for him to grapple with the guy he's fighting with and get the gun or something yeah it it was like air force one has a built-in like anti-missile like detection system i don't know um so he's like oh he's like you do know if you if you fire a missile at the plane like the planes it's not even gonna hit it so i don't understand the point of you know like what what's your big end game here like so he's like yeah even if you fired a missile we're just gonna dodge around it so there's no point in anyone firing a missile at us wink wink and, <laughs> and the bad guy's like why the fuck are you telling me all he's this? like what i don't yeah and then and then of course but glenn close has to spell it out for the audience and like practically look at the camera and be like 
the president is telling us what we need to do. And um, so they do. They The fighter jets kind of peel, peel back. They fire a missile on Air Force One, which causes it to, like, the anti-missile system to go crazy and, like, ev- evade it, evade the attack. The plane tips into Harrison Ford, and he's like, the guy's like, whoa, what's happening? And then and Harrison Ford um, incapacitates him. Yeah. Yes. And I did, I did appreciate that moment because, like, it's the first time that he kills somebody on the plane. Yeah. And he does take a second to, like, have, he kind of has a thousand-year stare, and you're like, you can tell he's thinking, like, oh, my God, I just killed somebody. Well, I think because the first time he was fighting him, he just tried to knock him unconscious. Like, he wasn't intending to kill, and then he got to the point where he's like, no, I actually have to kill these people. Um, so he did have, like, a moment of reflection about it, which I appreciated. Yeah, that was a nice little, like, a little art moment in this giant cluster. Um, yeah, and then at, at that point, it's the, so then after the shootout, though, they look, there's a very prominently placed refrigerator that's behind Harrison Ford, yeah. like, this entire time. Yeah. And it is curiously full of, it's like, one half of it is Perrier. Yeah. Which I thought was strange, like, why it would be full of a French beverage, but um, I guess they're allies, so that's cool. Um, but then the other half is just full of nothing but milk. Just yeah. gallons and gallons of milk. Um, that's the body good. <laughs> I guess, but then I was trying to justify this bothering me to the point where I paused it, and I was like, why is there so much milk on Air Force One? Um, but then, it, Yes, that's exactly what I realized. I was like, oh, it's for, it's for the coffee for everybody. That makes more yeah. sense. Um, but then, like, of course, the, the milk now is leaking all over the place, and then Harrison Ford gets a, a light bulb moment where he is, he gets the idea to leak, leak the fuel out of the plane. Yeah. So he, he gets on his trusty Comtech phone, or whatever the fuck it is, and he's on the phone with, like, a, a general who's trying to walk him through how to leak the fuel. I mean, he basically has to, like, cut a wire and reattach it to another wire, and then classic movie trope the phone starts cutting in and out so he's cut the green wire successfully as instructed but then has no idea which wire he's supposed to attach it to and before the phone goes dead like the general tells him you could end up blowing up the plane basically (laughs) you choose the wrong one and so now he has no idea which wire to choose but he just chooses one that's not red white or blue because america and it's the right one of course yeah, that, that whole sequence made no sense. Although I did like that because I remember, I remember those big chunky cordless phones, um, and I was like, those the battery on that did not last very long. And then like as soon as I was thinking that the the thing popped up low battery, I was like, ah, accurate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So then the yeah, so red, white, blue means fuel could be like it was such a convoluted system. Like they had a fail safe in case this event happened this exact scenario and you have to know, know. know. red white blue <laughs> I, uh... it was weird it was weird but of course he's gonna choose the right one like this is a movie like yes there's high stakes but you know harrison ford is not going to die no. it's maybe unclear as to like who else will be collateral damage but you know he's not gonna die so the likelihood of him picking the wrong wire is slim at best yeah so the stakes are not that and then and then yeah so they start dumping fuel and the plan is that they need to get refueled and in order to be refueled they need to drop down to like 1500 feet yeah which is not 1500 15,000 feet yeah which is the height in which you can parachute off of a plane yes so yeah go ahead i don't remember what his role was but william h macy's in this movie and he and he's like a uh, the guy who's helping the president get everyone to put parachutes on. I thought he was a pilot this the whole time because he's dressed like a pilot. And then like later when they need him to fly the plane, he's like, I don't know how to fly a plane. I'm like, wait, what? Like who are you? Like he looks just like a pilot. Yeah, I don't know who he was, but I did enjoy the moment right before this when when he's formulating the plan because obviously we skipped over telling you guys at this point everybody on the plane knows the president is alive because he's managed to get into the boardroom so big surprise there but i love the moment where i don't know who this woman was i don't know if she's like an intern or what but 
he's the president is talking about how they need to get word to people on the ground they're going to start launching people out with parachutes and he's like but the phone lines are down and the girl's like we can send a fax and i laughed very hard i was like oh my god a fax machine is going to save the day here and it did it really did did. it really did yeah and uh she, she was right that's that was a good call i never would have thought of a fax line um, no. And also, I didn't realize that the... Well, yeah, I guess it is a separate line. But, um, yeah, so she, so they sneak out, and then they they fax a thing, like, giving the heads up. And then all the people start bouncing off the plane one by one in their parachutes. Yep. And then, yeah, but then the terrorists catch on pretty quickly. And Well, yeah, because there's a screen that pops up that says, like, the cargo hold, the door is open or whatever. Yeah, which is, like, the fact that they didn't think that uh, would happen is sad. Um, but yeah, if, like, most of the so most of the hostages escape, and it's it's good, it's hooray. Um, although, I'm like, these are people that have never parachuted before, and they're just being dropped off into the middle of the darkness into enemy territory. <laughs> like, they're yeah, being dropped, like, into Kazakhstan, and man, they're all smiling. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're gonna hit trees, like, they're landing in a mountainous region, like... Well, they're not all gonna survive, that's for sure. Just because they're off the plane doesn't mean they live. No, like, they're, half of those people are dead. Um, we never see them again. <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, as this is all going on, we cut to, like, there's a press conference uh, where Glenn Close is talking to the public because somehow CNN has found out about this and they're reporting live coverage, which I really wanted to know, like, how did they know? But they like, who leaked it? I don't... I I mean, it could have been anyone. It could have been a lot of people. I mean, because if... Because you have multiple governments now are aware of this. And they've, oh, like, sure. German, Germany was aware. Like, I feel like everyone was aware in the government level. So, but then, but their information was that Air Force One had crashed. Yeah. And, which is inaccurate completely. I don't know where that came from. But I think it just yeah. goes to show you, you can't trust the news. Yeah, <laughs> but that, that makes sense you saying that, because this whole time I'm sitting there thinking, and they reported on it later in the movie too, they're saying our sources are telling us. I'm like, who the fuck are the sources? Like, who's on the plane that's telling, telling people this? Uh, it's probably the same sources that are like saying that Kim Jong-un died. Oh and, yeah, and then maybe. like, never mind. He's not dead. Like, what? Wait, what was that about? Who? So like, yeah, um, yeah. So the the um, Gary Oldman finds out that people are trying to escape. So what does he do? Um, he goes down into the cargo hold. Is that correct? I don't. Uh, I just remember the scene, and not oh. everybody's able to get out. Yes. Nope. Never mind. I remember oh. the, the wrong thing. <laughs> I was just going to say, not everybody's able to get out, and, like, there ends up being a fire. Oh, that's it, because the, they've shut the door, and one of the henchmen puts, like, an oxygen tank uh, in the door handle and fires at it, which causes an explosion, which then creates uh, more suction. You know, there's there's no longer a seal keeping the, keeping the door closed. Right. So people are just being sucked out of the plane, and there's a huge explosion that happens, and Harrison Ford is just, like, hanging on to the back of the plane while this fire is, like, raging behind him. Oh, I don't understand the, how that did not kill him. The fire was because the fuel, like, they realized what was going on, and so they start trying to raise the plane to a higher altitude because they'd realized people were escaping. So they mm-hmm. they inadvertently detached from the refueling jet because so the, like, the whole cover was that they were refueling because they needed to, but um, they're attached to another giant jet that's refueling them. So as they, like are detaching from this thing suddenly the the fuel is like the plane is sparking because it's rubbing against the other plane and the fuel is streaming onto the windshield and it causes a fireball to burst yes and then like is there like another plane behind them that explodes like something oh yeah the fuel like the fuel plane explodes the fuel plane yeah and they never mentioned that like the poor bastards on that plane just are just toast yeah and no one cares you know no one cares <sighs> So yeah, so you of course you have Harrison Ford. He he starts fumble, like tumbling out of the plane. He grabs on to the I don't know what the thing is called. Like he grabs onto a part of the plane. He's hanging by a thread. There's an explosion behind him, and then William H Macy says to one of the terrorists, "Like let me help him," and he doesn't want to help him because he's like he has a gun to him. And then he his argument is just he's the president of the United States for God's sake. And then the guy goes, "Okay." 
<laughs> just let's right. see. So they help him back up onto the plane. Right. And at first I was like, well, why did they do that? But then I was like, oh, because they can outnumber them because they still have, like, the uh, Secret Service spy agent. So now they can have the president as a hostage as well. And also they need the president to make that call to let the bad guy go. Yeah, so now uh, Harrison Ford is being held hostage. Oh, yeah, so they, they pull him up and... In it, so it's him, his wife, and his daughter are now in the cockpit with Gary Oldman. They've got guns to their heads, and he's like, and Gary Oldman's like, let our general go. And Harrison Ford goes, no, I'm not going to do it, no matter what. But I'm like, your wife and daughter are sitting right there. Like, come on. Like, yeah, he's going to do it. Yeah, and then, he, so of course they grab the daughter, and they're like, we're going to shoot her in the head. And then he's like, okay, I'll do it. Like, really, like well, first they tried to, like, Sophie's choice him and be like, you have to pick one of them to die, like your wife or your daughter. And I was really curious who he was going to say, but it didn't come to that. That reminded me of earlier, I thought a, now this is the evil part of my brain clicking in, but when they're talking about how they're going to kill a hostage every half hour, my immediate thought was, ooh, they should make the hostages decide amongst themselves. And cause, like, a rift amongst them and, like, so that they're not a united front anymore. So that if they rebel, I'm like... Envious of you. That's alarming. I know. That's... I, but I was actually angry at them for not thinking of that. <laughs> <laughs> of course you weren't. Anyway, that was, uh... That's what I would have written anyway. Um, yeah, so... The, so, the, the president's being held hostage now. He's calling... He calls to have the guy released, and then back in the White House, they're like, oh, he's def- he's not making his decisions anymore as a president. He's making them as a, a husband and a father. Yeah. Like, we should have authority to circumvent him and sign sign this paper, Glenn, paper Glenn Close. Um, they basically want power of attorney over him right now because they think he's crazy. Did you notice this? I, had, I rewind, rewound it to confirm. Um, so the guy that plays, you knew it, Walter, you said? Yeah, the Secretary of Defense. I can't believe you remember his name. So I wrote it down. Wow. I wrote it down. So Walter, so this whole movie, Glenn Close's character is referred to as Catherine. And then he calls her something else. He calls he? her Carolyn. Oh, boy. And I rewound it because I was like, what? And he definitely says Carolyn. And I was like, that was the best take they got? <laughs> and then, like... I don't know. It really threw me for a loop. So I don't know what that was about, but it took me out of the movie and everything was ruined. I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, so Carolyn slash Catherine refuses to sign it. They release the guy from prison on the president's orders. And yep. then um, and then what did they do? I don't even remember. Like, well, the, the president literally has a trick up his sleeve because he's picked up a piece of broken glass off the floor. After he's been taken hostage and he's been like duct taped, handcuffed, he picks up this piece of glass off the floor and and cuts himself free, and then manages to uh, basically take take over again. Yeah, and he frees himself because he's President Badass. Yeah, he frees himself. He takes down the bad guy, but only just because Gary Oldman gets a hold of the president's wife. And yep. then they tumble down the stairs and into the, the cargo hold of the plane. <laughs> I guess yeah. The, they, they end up basically at the cargo hold again with Gary Oldman. He has a parachute on, and he's throwing away or he's tossing not overboard. <laughs> he's tossing off the plane all of the remaining parachutes, and he's basically saying like, "I'm getting off this plane. That's it." And he does. He sure does. But how? Uh, Harrison Ford has a fight with him. Um, they, they're like, he's holding a wife to a gun to the wife's head. And then Harrison Ford gets the upper hand. They start grappling right at the edge of the plane. Um, well, it's because he gets the upper hand because the wife manages to like knock Gary Oldman off his balance. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Yeah, she elbows him basically. And he, she runs and she rolls out of the way, grabs the gun and then they're the the president and this dude are are wrestling with each other on the ground. Harrison Ford takes a strap that's just randomly hanging and wraps it around Gary Oldman's neck. It was so fucking cool. I was like, oh my god, I know what's gonna happen. I know what's gonna happen, but I still wasn't ready for it. And then the president pulls the parachute, effectively hanging Gary Oldman because it like whips his neck back. 
my god, it was so cool. And then he has the 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 moment I remember from the trailer, which yeah, he just goes. Mason, I remembered it. He goes, and I hadn't seen it. He goes, get off my plane, and then just like like drop kicks him off the plane. And you know, it made me think that like he somehow Harrison Ford gets stuck with so many like shitty one-liners not just in this movie but like i feel like every movie he's in he gets like the cheesiest one-liners that he has to say but he makes them sound so cool (laughs) like i was fully aware it was a cheesy line but i was still like yeah get off the plane gary he sure did and then his corpse floated down into the, the forest yeah it was uh and but so this is the point in the movie where i was like we should wrap it up we should have them try to land the plane and yep. go poorly. But then at the nick of time, they just make it. But no, I think this is the part of the movie where everything kind of went off the rails for me. And it went from being like a cool, semi-plausible scenario to just batshit insanity. Well, yeah, I wrote down, and, and perhaps you're the writer, so you'll know. But And I, I don't know if I'm using the word right or not. But it felt like everything that happened after that point was like a MacGuffin. Like, everything was just... There was no point to it. It was just to be more ridiculous. You're right. Uh, that is not the correct term use of the term <laughs> MacGuffin. Um, right. But I know what you're saying. It, it was like, okay. it, it was a thing on a thing on a thing. And it was just like, it was too much. And we know that they're not going to die at this point. So it was, yeah. it was it what I like to call, like... what I've heard call, it's not appropriate, but I've heard it's called a jerk off. Where uh-huh. it's just like, you, oh, we're going to pretend something bad's going to happen. And then never mind, it's not. Um yeah, it was like suddenly there were um, fighter jets from, I guess, General Raddick's army that were firing on Air Force One, and then those were dealt with, and then they were running out of fuel, and then that was fine, and then they lost an engine, and then they weren't going to be able to land, and then that was fine. So there were like three or four things within the span of the last 15 minutes where they were trying to still make it seem like they weren't going to survive this. Yeah, and then they have, like, so then they, they realized, I did like there was a bit of a moment where everyone kind of was on, had the consensus that the plane was going to crash, mm-hmm. and the fighter jet guy is like, they were like, oh, well, we can't get you off the plane, your plane is going to crash, and there's no more parachutes, um, they just kind of, like, look at him, and they're like, it was, it's been a pleasure, sir, and, like, salute, and it was, like, kind of a dead man walking thing, and I, it felt eerie in that moment. I was like, ooh, that's kind of creepy. Yeah, because, I mean, what else do you do? Not much. (laughs) But then they were like, oh, well, we could have a plane come and attach itself to the plane as it's crashing to take the last survivors off uh, one by one, like, via a zip line. Yes. And so they get off. Of course, like, they're like, Mr. President, we need to take you first because you're the president. And he's like, nope. And they're like, okay. And so, <laughs> like, they let everyone else off the plane first, naturally, because it's Harrison Ford. Um, yeah. And, and then, yeah, but then the, the one, the, the turncoat guy, as you said earlier, uh, is still on the plane. And, of course, as the president's trying to escape, he pulls a gun on him. And, and he's like, and then William H. Macy goes, it was you? Like, no shit. Like, yeah. Well, but but what I didn't understand is they didn't re- they didn't know that there was a someone helping them. They didn't know there was, like, an inside man. So how could he say it was you? That implies that he knew all along that there was, a, like, a, a mole in their ranks. But it was never discussed before that moment. It was discussed in the White House because, like, they did mention something. It's like they couldn't have gotten guns on the plane, so somebody on the plane must have given them the guns. So, like... Oh, yeah, I guess that's true. But he wasn't privy to that conversation, so I guess he just put piece it together on his own. Yeah. I, I don't know. But, um, yeah, so... He oh. gets killed. Yeah, he gets killed to try to save the president, and then... Um, the president's the last one off the plane, um, but then the the, the the pinnacle of stupidity, um, the the thing that they have attached to Air Force One, um, all of a sudden the bolts on the side of the plane just come loose for no reason. I was wondering if it was because they were losing so much altitude so quickly that it caused those things to like rupture. It it, it weakened the integrity of like the bolts and stuff holding things in place. Let's go with that. Yeah. I mean, I am a scientist, so I can, <laughs> I can confirm that that's entirely likely that that was what happened. Yeah, it was weird. It was just like this thing that is atta- like welded to the side of a plane with like eight or nine 
bolts all of a sudden just comes loose and flops off and then the president so the plane crashes with the the turncoat on it into the ocean in some hilariously bad 90s cgi i wrote down that plane crashing like this movie held up pretty well in terms of visual effects and stuff but that was the one that made me laugh like that (laughs) one did not look good but everything else like maybe didn't look great but for the time it was in i thought was acceptable yeah but the plane crashing into the water looked ridiculous. It looked like a pl- if like a plane crash had happened in the first Toy Story movie, like level of animation. Yeah. Just, like awkward, like the lighting was bad. It was it was bad. Everything looked one dimensional. Um I giggled a lot at that part. Yeah, I did too. I'm it's it's so nice to hear cuz it's just such a weird experience not watching these things together. So it's nice to hear that we have a lot of the same notes. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, because there's a lot of things that's just like, it goes without saying with this. But yeah, so the the president gets back on board, like onto the plane. And, uh, but he's of course that fake stupid, God, you know what? This movie would have been amazing if he had died then. The president? Yeah. Like, because he's being, he's hung, he's like got one string attaching him to the other plane that is saving everybody. And he's like whipping through the sky, like 500 feet off the ground. And then they just take the big, um, what is that thing called? It's like a pulley, but it's not. A winch? There you go. They got the big winch. Yeah, of course. And they're pulling the big winch, and, uh, he, and he just makes it just in the nick of time. And, and then he hugs his family, and then it's cut to credits. Yeah, immediate cut to credits. Um, it was a very, uh, considering like how drawn out, there were like 10 different possible endings, I felt like it ended very abruptly. Yeah, the, the only thing I did like about the ending was um, that call, like the last time you see the White House, is they're like, so in, they, the White House is still like, they don't know if the president's alive or dead, like what's going on. They, they've heard Airport, Air Force One has just crashed into the ocean. And they they all of a sudden get this call that's like, oh, like this is fighter jet whatever call sign. Um, our call sign is now officially changed to Air Force One. Yeah, that was a cool. That was a nice cool. little moment. I thought that was a cool yeah. like. And then and then Glenn Post close rips up the paper that would put her in charge. Yep. And uh, I was like, oh, that's a nice out. And then it's yep. that's out. That's done. Yes, just hard done. So that's the whole movie. That is the whole movie. What'd you think? You know, I, I, when, when you suggested watching this, um, I was excited because I'd never seen it before. And you were like, well, I hope you like it. And I reminded you that, like, un- I, I love action movies. <laughs> the Fast and the Furious franchise is unironically my favorite <laughs> franchise of movies. Like, I, lo- I live for movies like this. It's true. So I, the fact that I hadn't seen it is surprising. I enjoyed it very much. I thought it was great. Oh, good. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, I mean, it was ridiculous, but, like, I'm here for it. I, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Gary Oldman was great. I feel like this was a role Harrison Ford was uh, born to play, you mm-hmm. know? Like, of course he was going to play the president in a movie like this. Of course. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, and he, he does a good job, I think. he's I think he's a little too bumbling, mushmouth to be a convincing sort of, like, leader in a 90s action movie. But, yeah. um... No, I, th- I thought he did a great... I thought the cast... I thought the cast overall was really good. What I thought was so interesting... I was I watched this on Amazon Prime. And, you know, I don't know if you notice, like, when you pause it every once in a while or, like, hover over it, it'll offer up trivia or information. Yeah. Um, and so there was one scene where they were talking about other actors that they had considered to play the role of Harrison Ford. Oh. And some of them, I was like, yes, I get it. Like, Tommy Lee Jones. I was like, sure, uh-huh, mm-hmm. I understand. One of them was Tom Hanks. And listen, <laughs> all personal feelings aside, I cannot picture Tom Hanks in that role as, like, action hero defending his family slash the president. I cannot picture that at all. I mean, you? you're right. I One part of me agrees, and then I just I just remembered uh, Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> oh, yeah, the movie I never saw. Oh, yeah. He does a convincing job, I think, in that. But yeah, I was like, yeah, you know what? He hasn't done a lot of action movies, this Tom Hanks. Um, no. I mean, that's not his forte. I, I don't know that I believe him in the... 
and listen again personal feelings aside I don't know that I believe him as a man who like can just go around killing people I just don't think I can believe that that's fair yeah I I agree because even when he plays like a guy who's darker and I've actually seen him kill numerous people on screen you're still like "Mm, don't buy it can't yeah it just feels wrong you're completely agree. Yeah, Tom. But God, like, it Tommy makes Lee sense Jones with Harrison Ford. Like, no, I believe that every day. I don't think anyone could have been better. Like, I I'm trying to think of someone that would have been better for this part, and I'm like, I don't. I mean, I can't imagine anyone else playing that role. Like, no, like no, no. He's pretty good because you the other like you either would have leaned too into like hokey, like if you had done like a Schwarzenegger or something. Yeah. Or it would have been too soft, like a like a Tom Hanks. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, interesting trivia. Thank you for sharing. You're very welcome. But I enjoyed this movie quite a bit, having never seen it before. Um, I'm surprised I'd never seen it before. Did it hold up for you? Until a, until a point, yes. Um, I had forgotten about like the whole last thirty minutes of the movie. I thought I think this movie would have been more regarded as a classic. Is like, as we said before, if the last 30 minutes had been trimmed severely because it goes like i mean the premise of the movie is so genius and the fact that there has the the fact that there's never been a movie prior to this of like terrorist hijack air force one like boom that you're you just sold the script right there like that's a great idea um but then like if it had just ended with after gary oldman dying they're landing the plane and there's landing difficulties like and then, like, they, they get out of it at the, in the nick of time. I think it would have been a great movie. If it was an hour and 45 minutes. But it's two hours and five minutes, so... Yeah, it's a little long for an action movie. Yeah. Had, had they shaved off those last 20 minutes, I think this would have been a great action movie. It just it gets ridiculous at the end. Like, to the point where I was rolling my eyes. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, I think it, it almost holds up. But I would give it... I, I'd give it, like, a 7.5 out of 10. Yeah, I mean, I would give it, like, at least an 8. I mean, it doesn't have the nostalgia factor for me, so I feel like I can't judge it maybe as... I can't judge it like you, but, like, as a first-time viewer, yeah, I would give it at least an 8. I enjoyed it very much. Oh, good, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's definitely worth checking out, um, and it's appropriate for the summer string of patriotic holidays, so... Yeah, I guess. I guess so. Yeah, and it kind of, it does, like, scratch that itch. I would really be curious to see the reaction of someone who wasn't American watching this movie. Because yeah. it, it definitely leans into, like, now, like, I'm not going to get into it, but, like, obviously there's, like, it, it's a it's a very gray area getting into, like, the pro-Americana stuff. But I think this movie really highlights, like, the best aspects of that. Of uh-huh. the, the, the sort of the, that can-do attitude and, like, that sort of the, the rising, soaring score with the trumpets. And, like, uh-huh. it, it scratches that weird itch of, like, brings a tear to your eye, like, of, like, American spirit. And, like, I thought that was cool. I liked that part of it. Uh, I mean, I didn't have a tear to my eye. I know what you mean. I, I understand what you're saying. Like, it's like that sense of like pride I guess I don't know yeah it's like a weird like it reminds you of when you're like a little kid at a fourth of July parade yeah or like or, or when you watch like yeah or like when you watch a movie like Independence Day and like Bill Pullman is like making that speech at the end it's yeah. like that it taps into that part of your brain that you're like oh man like I can't shut it off but like damn it like <laughs> Yeah, it's like I, you feel like you're part of something bigger than you, blah, blah, blah. Exactly. So it, it's like, it's a very good, like, nostalgic patriotism that's, like, really silly and stupid. But, like, at the same time, I'm like, yeah, that was fun. I enjoyed that. So, um. Now, here's a, here's a fun question for yeah. you that I just thought of. What's that? Can you picture anyone in your lifetime or America's lifetime, can you picture any president being capable of pulling off what Harrison Ford did Ooh. in this movie. Um, I can think of one. I know who you're thinking of. <laughs> my, am I, are you thinking that I'm thinking of my favorite president? Yeah. Yes, I am. Teddy Roosevelt? That's the one. Yeah, I think... I could picture him doing it. I I think I could see Teddy Roosevelt doing it, and I, like, the only other... I'm really going back, like... 
I, the, the ones that I think would actually be physically capable of it were too old when they were in office. Mm-hmm. Like Eisenhower, because like, he was general of an army, and Washington, um, and George Bush Sr. Like, had they all been in office when they were like in their 40s or early 50s, I feel like that they would have had the capability of pulling that off. They would have had a fighting chance. Yeah, because, like, they actually are, like, super decorated war heroes who killed a bunch of people in hand-to-hand combat. Um, And, like, and again, I'm just basing this purely on, like, physical prowess. Yeah, no, that's what I'm asking, because you know way more, you have way more historical memory than I do in terms of, like, knowledge of presidents and stuff. Yeah. So I'm just curious what your answer would be. I feel like, like, maybe Grant, like, Ulysses S. Grant could have done it. Because he wasn't that old when he was president. I think he was in his 50s. Who was the one that you sent me a picture of that made me feel weird as a football player? Oh, uh, Gerald Ford? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Gerald Ford was very hot for, like, a moment when he was, like, in his early 20s. Yeah. Um, but I don't... Nah. Maybe? But he was, like, a huge, like, athlete. So, God knows. I don't know. I mean, I just picture Teddy Roosevelt, like, being <laughs> so, like, borderline... He would have planned it himself just to have something to do. Yeah. He seems, like, nutty like that. I feel like Lincoln probably could have done it, too. Because he beat the Thanks. shit out of people. Yeah. He he was known for being freakishly strong. Like, that was one of his traits. Really? I don't think I knew that. No, because he used to wrestle when he was, like, young. Was, like, a young man. He was a wrestler. And, like, he chopped down trees, like, as a living for a long time. So, like, and he would challenge people to contests for, like, chopping wood and stuff, and he would always win, and, like, it was common, because he was a foot taller than every man at the time. So, that was a thing where he was, like, he was noted for being a freakishly strong person. Um, So, I think he could have done it, too. Interesting. Our friend Anna, if she was here, she would know, because she's a, a buff about the history of American presidents. Yeah, we've got some really interesting friends with unique, um niche knowledge. Yes, I really we do. appreciate that about our friends. Yeah, we it's funny, yeah, we all have unique uh like we all have different things, completely different things that are really interesting to each of us. Yeah. That nobody else gives a shit about. Yes. So, yeah, no, you're right. Like like we have Rob our aviation friend and Anna our, our president's friend and um yeah, yeah. like we what, have What friend am I? You're you know all about literature. Oh, I am the literature friend. You know, you you've read you m- more books than any person I've ever met in my entire life. And this is including people that, like, actively work in academia as English professors. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so you're, you're, you know all about literature. You know, gosh, you're the friend that, like, would 100% be the phone a friend in any kind of trivia competition I was ever signed up to do that I never would because I'd have to be on camera. But, like, you have such a working knowledge of everything, like... I can't think of anyone else I would call for anything related to, like, art or history or anything like that. You seem to have, like, an eidetic memory for that kind of shit. Yeah, only if it interests me. And if it doesn't, I... You can tell me it a thousand times and I will not retain it. (laughs) Yeah. It's a problem. Hey, so do you think that um, in this quarantine time we're still going through, you would be interested in writing some sort of time travel historical Air Force One fiction starring Teddy Roosevelt and whatever the equivalent of Air Force One would be for him. Oh, like a train? Yes. I mean... Like a stagecoach. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that was a cool idea. I like that. Um, you you may have the rights. Thank you. We're getting, into, we're getting into tricky territory here. Legally speaking, should I write this Teddy Roosevelt saves a train story? Um how oh i don't know like with if i do write it and then like 10 years you sue me and you know but we have evidence you have you have evidence right here that i will not sue you this is my idea i'm giving to you because you have the talent to write it all i ask is for credit absolutely i will give you a little a a very tiny like eight point font thank you at the end of the credits Perfect. Eight point font credit and $5,000. We'll see. Okay. That's, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, so well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, and uh, happy whatever holiday this is. Flag Day? Yeah. Fourth of happy July? Whatever? Memorial Day? I don't know. There's a lot of different holidays this could, this could apply to. We are recording this on Memorial Day, but yes. God knows when it's actually going to come out. 
maybe well it'll definitely be out by next memorial day <laughs> i mean don't <laughs> don't get your hopes up um so why uh do you have anything else to say no just that um you should follow us on social media yeah uh caitlin can be found on twitter she's very very funny at Deathosaurus underscore rex yep that's follow the her. one she tweets a lot and it's great tiffany doesn't tweet so don't follow no. her no, I just, I lurk. You do. You're you're a watcher, and I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm an observer. I'm a quiet observer. Yeah, you uh, you're full of knowledge of all of us, and keep your secrets. I, I admire that. Thank um, you. Yeah, but you're on you're on Instagram. Yeah. At T Soul. Yeah. And yeah, give us a shout and and uh, say hello and uh, follow yeah, us. Yeah, you can follow us. Uh, we have a show page on Instagram, Peanut Butter and Jelly Shoes. That's right. We will respond to all of your DMs and inquiries and questions and thoughts. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah, we've got nothing else to do. We're bored. Yes, we're very bored, and we're um, also very appreciative of our fans. Indeed. So, yeah, that's all I got. Anything else for you? No, that's it. Cool. Well, thank you for listening. My name is Caitlin. My name is Tiffany. All right, bye. Bye.